Well, okay, welcome to Pipe Bank, Season 2, Episode 6, I think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, on, in, this, in this episode we're going to be talking about uh, a kind of weird, culty, sci-fi, horror, action, hybrid from the mid-1980s uh, called uh, Life Force. So this film was made by Tobey Hooper. Um, it was made for the Canon Group. So basically Tobey Hooper... Um, Got, had some box office success with Poltergeist um, and Cam Group signed him up to do uh, three movies off of the back of that. Um, those movies were uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, um, Invaders from Mars, uh, which is a remake of an old 50s sci-fi movie, and, and the first of those three was Life Force. So, um, yeah, they really got their money, money's worth there, didn't they, the Canon Group? Yeah. Really, that was, a, that was a good choice. Um, so this, was, this, is, this is the first of those three films. Um, where, where do I start talking about Life Force? Um, it's a bizarre movie. It was a box office flop. Since then, it's been rediscovered as some sort of cult classic. Um, well, I'm not so sure. We'll have a talk about it, then you, be the, you guys can be the judge. So, uh, it kind of, I guess it all starts promisingly enough, and we're in fairly familiar territory. There's a, a space shuttle called the Churchill. Uh, it has a crew on it uh, that's partly made up of Brits and partly made up of um, uh, Yanks. And the, um, and the leader is the rather rubber-faced um, Colonel Carlson, played by <coughs> non-actor Steve Rouseback. <laughs> Just, um, don't know, we'll we talk about him later, but weird, weird actor in that he spends a lot of the film looking like he's uh, barely awake, uh, just kind of sleepwalking through it. And then there's moments of extreme overacting in the film, like he's been saving himself up for <laughs> some of the scenes where he just has to shake and sweat. He's saving his life force up he for key to, moments. Yeah. He sweats, I see what I did there. sweats on command, this guy. Yeah, he does. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, anyway, they've gone off to, to have a look at Haley's Comet for some reason. That's the first thing that pissed me off. Some sort of science reason. <laughs> What's that, Scott? It's not Haley's Comet, it's Halley's Comet. Uh, Halley's uh, Comet. annoyed me right from the very first. It was Haley's Comet all the way through it, and it, that's not what it's called. So I wasn't inaccurate when I said no, no, when you they were Hayley's. going to Haley's Comet. Yeah. The film was inaccurate. Yeah. Let's just point that out. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be a pedant or anything, yeah, yeah. I just want to be clear whose era that was. Um, so they find this, uh, they find in the tale of Halley's Comet, they find a spaceship. And <clears throat> luckily, it being the mid 80s, they've got a BBC Micro Model B computer on board which can scan this ship and tell them that it is 150 miles long. Think about that. That's 150 miles long. That's as long as quite a long thing. So why would... First of all... <laughs> it's a big place. It's yeah. like a big thing. It's a big, long thing. It looks like a... It looks like a... Like a... a cock and hairs. <laughs> it's kind of the shape of it. It's 150 miles long. Uh, look, and they, what they decide to do is derelict. So they decide to go over there and have an explore. Luckily... Even though it is 150 miles long, they go to the one bit of, of it that has stuff that's interesting to look at. <laughs> so it's, which is quite convenient, really. So they go into the spaceship and they find loads of, in typical alien style, 
they find loads of bat creatures that are all um, uh, that are all dead and desiccated. They know they're desiccated because they break their hands off yeah. and go, oh look, they're completely desiccated, yeah. which I'm pretty sure is something you're not supposed to do when discovering alien life, yeah. even dead alien life for the first time. Probably there's a protocol that says, don't break it. Yeah. So, but they disobey that. And they also t take, try and take a sample back uh, in a giant net. That's They've that's got it. like a space net. They like, two things. Firstly, if you think their ship looks like a cock, you need to see a doctor. <laughs> and secondly, deploying the, the the line is we're deploying the specimen bag, which means putting a net putting over a it. giant yeah. net. On it. So they catch one of these um, whatever they are, big big desiccated bat things, uh, and then they there's like a bright light, and uh, there's like what's a, this bright light about? I'm just going to check that out, and they check it out, and they find um, they find three. Like uh, hu naked human bodies in uh, these glass containers. So, um, so of course they decide to take take. They don't have any more um, of the what are they called space nets? <laughs> specimen <laughs> bags. Yeah. They don't have any more specimen bags. But luckily, these uh, these uh, naked uh, human figures come. In, in their own handy portable glass containers. So two of them are blokes that we're not interested in, <laughs> and one of them is naked Matilda May, who we most definitely are. <laughs> and they take them uh, to the spaceship uh, to go back to Earth, but then what happens to them? No one knows. Mm. We don't know. There's, uh, the radio contact is lost, and we don't know what's happened. So they send a rescue mission out, to uh, find out what's happened, and they discover that the Churchill has been all busted up, and there's like been a big fire, and the only thing that everyone's dead, except that the commander Carlson is missing, and they find the three compartments with the with the with the whatever they are in mm. naked <laughs> alien things, uh, human-looking things. So they take them back to Earth, yeah. right? So far, so good. Uh -huh. So. Um, they then we then get introduced to a bunch of new characters. Uh, so Frank Finley's character, Doctor Falada, um, is going to do um, uh, autopsies on these bodies that they found. And then there's this weird thing that has no relevance to the rest of the film, where he talks about maybe the glass containers aren't glass; they're like organic. And there's some sort of force field thing. Some, some sort of force field. Or they're, not, they're not. They're there, but they're not there. They're there, but they're not there. Yeah. It's not really relevant. At this stage, or for the rest of the film, <laughs> but, it's, but it's worth knowing about apparently. Uh, so they're about to do an autopsy on um, Space Girl or Naked Matilda May, and she suddenly uh, wakes up and uh, and escapes and uh, starts draining life force, which is blue mm. energy in a poltergeisty special visual effects style way she starts draining this blue energy from people and leaving behind kind of desiccated puppet things in in her wake and um so she's like a space vampire type thing um and uh, what happens is she naffs off in the meantime the the people that she's z uh, zombified those zombies come back to life a couple of hours later and try and drain other people's life force. So it's like a vampiric virus-y type thing. 
although it will be some time later in the film, maybe an hour later, where somebody will say that maybe this is a bit like vampires from myth. Because mm. uh, clearly it's not obvious at this stage, even though it is obvious, <laughs> it's not obvious to these scientific-minded people. Yeah, there's, there's one thing I love about that. The place that they take the bodies to, uh, is, is there's a sign somewhere that says it's a quarantine lab. But their idea of quarantining something is just to put it in a corridor with a lot of doors in it. So no, nothing's actually sealed, is it? Did you notice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the big one she actually does take this guard's life force. They come running down to the quarantine lab and it's just a series of opening one door after another in the hope that maybe whatever bacteria is there just gets pissed off after the third door and decides to stay. Yeah. Mm. I love that. So after that, a number of things happen in a sequence which in any other film might have been like a story but in this film is just an odd sequence <laughs> the first thing is that they find Carlson in like an escape pod in like it's meant to be Texas or somewhere but it's I don't know I don't know it's, it's right. clearly Devon or somewhere yeah, and how long afterwards yeah we don't, yeah we don't know it doesn't really yeah. make sense that this happens at this stage yeah. in the story but they they find him and they bring him to London and he says that he set the fire to stop the these creatures getting to Earth because um, uh, because he knew they were vampires. It's not really clear. Um, they hypnotise him. We're not sure why. He has a psychic link to Space Girl. We don't know why. Um, and then uh, uh, Colonel Kane turns up, who is Peter Firth's character. Um, and he, and then we get, and then this is really weird at this point. Does anyone know he's in the SAS? No. That's very hush-hush. Hush-hush. Although he does then spend, like, every conversation telling everyone he's with the SAS. So, that, yeah, I don't quite get the point of that either. So, this, this is where the, the film goes off on a completely different, almost tact. So, up till now, it's been a little bit like an alien movie. There's an alien threat. It's been brought to Earth. Um, and what's going on? And then the movie suddenly turns into a weird kind of detective story uh, where all these new characters have to track the alien girl down. Um, and it's a bit like Species, except this version of Species just has people standing in hospitals talking to each other a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's no actual tracking down at this stage. They're just kind of chatting and gathering information. And there's some really ropey bits of dialogue in this. So here's an example of a scene where... Uh, Peter Firth is questioning one of the guys who had an encounter with the the female space vampire, um, and uh, he describes it how that this how feminine it was, and it, and it's all just a little bit. And Peter Firth, I think, when he's asking these questions, clearly, I think, is getting far too turned on. Yeah, <laughs> for a standard investigator, clearly, there's something a bit off about this fella. So. So what happens now is the other two uh, aliens wake up, the other two vampires wake up, the two blokes, and they have a bit, there's a go on a bit of a rampage and infect some more people. But they appear to be um, killed. Can, can I just uh, just jump in that bit? So just before that, there's a bit I thought was really cool. Um, he's interviewing Dr. Falada later. He, he mentions um, he mentions to him, well, what he asks him what he does, and he says, oh, well, I'm, I'm a deathologist, basically, is what he says. I'm really into death. I love all that shit. So he, he says to him, 
Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really um, sort of concerned with the question, is there life after death? And I think the line actually is, the actual line is, is there life after death? Do you really want to know? No. Well, I think there is. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, why didn't even ask him? <laughs> but then they go on to, to suggest that these vampires are living off the life force of people. But isn't that basically what humans do? We live off the life forces of animals and plants. So who are the real vampires? Who are the real <laughs> vampires? I'm so surprised Us? you didn't pick up on that. Or them. I, yeah, yeah, so. Well, I think that might have had something to do with the fact that I watched this late at night yeah. and, <laughs> and fell asleep and missed big chunks of it. So um, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can yeah. with, the, with the stuff that I can remember. So, um, so meanwhile, a nude girl vampire has gone out and we've discovered that now she can kind of enter people and live in them or something and she enters some girl at a park and now she can so I, jump back and forth between different people around about now is where I I, I don't know what the fuck happens after this yeah. I literally like everything we've talked about so far kind of got some guy got infected, a guard, then he died, went all wrinkly, and, and then he woke back up again in quite a cool little scene, and then infected one of the doctors, and then he's back to normal, but then an hour later, I go, look, this is what it looked like two hours later, and he's like, Ugh! and he like leaps, tries to leap at them through a cage and explodes and all that stuff. And then, and then you get to the bit where they're like, yeah, the girl left, and then there's some other girl that somebody's sensing where they are, where she is, but she's in another girl, so where's... Oh, no, the fact I know. Like, lose the will to up live. Up until this point in the film, although there's some inconsistencies of kind of tone, um, it's all made sense yeah. and it all follows a certain pattern of films that we've seen before. Hmm. But at this point in the movie, it just goes batshit, bonkers, <laughs> mental. Yeah, well, so yeah. Steve Rouse back who is, again, I've said it before, but he's the most bizarre actor on the planet in that he just doesn't seem to be interested or bothering at all yeah. until moments where he's called upon to do stuff and then he just just cranks it up to 11 and really goes overboard. So they basically head out of London to try and track down this missing female vampire and they end up, they end up at a mental asylum or something run by uh, Patrick Stewart's doctor and they... Again, in a really bizarre scene, they question this girl who they think is got but Steve because Steve Rouseback's got a psychic link with her. Yeah. He thinks that that's how he's tracking her down. So he questions this girl, but the whole thing is really quite pervy. I think you called it raping. A little bit rapey. Yeah. It's a really a little bit rapey, <laughs> but, it's, but it's going to get more disturbing because then we find out that um, the vampire girl has actually gone into Patrick Stewart and they keep this secret. So they pretend it's gone into one of the other patients so that they can trick Patrick Stewart into coming with them so they can dope him up with morphine or something. So they dope him up with morphine and then there's this deeply disturbing scene where Steve Rouseback is basically coming on to Patrick Stewart <laughs> who is, who's got the girl vampire in him but just looks like a sweaty Patrick Stewart. And then there's a scene where the sweaty Steve Rouseback and the sweaty Patrick Stewart share this big on-screen kiss. Well, <laughs> what? Yeah, the, and there's all this energy and whizzing oh, around. And, and while they're having a snog, there's bits of furniture flying around the room, poltergeist style. I see, you can say what you want about that kiss, but obviously it worked for them. I've never had a kiss like that. <laughs> I've never had a kiss. <laughs> no. 
But I mean, it is it's Patrick Stewart, so maybe yeah. if you did, maybe maybe, it would maybe be. if you were a big enough. Star I don't Trek imagine group. it would be for, for. I can't imagine having that effect from kissing Steve rubber-faced Ralph. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, but maybe if you're a big Star Trek fan or X-Men fan. So uh, anyway, they've they've captured her. They've captured Patrick Stewart and the aliens in Patrick Stewart. So job done. End of film. But no. Because actually, what you didn't know was the vampire can get out of Patrick Stewart by just big streams of blood coming out of his nose, forming a vampire shape in helicopter, then splashing to the ground in a big pool of blood, and that's how the vampire gets out of people, apparently. I don't. I'm not entirely sure that's what happened. In no. I think. I think. I don't know what was going on there, but I don't think it was that. I think the, the, the streams of energy are the way they get out, or they link psychically to other people or something. But he was I, building up a, a person. Up a person, a picture of her. I don't think it really had anything to do with anything. No, I just I think, think it was a weird. When, when they were back at the hospital, before they get in the helicopter, they suddenly the, the two guys suddenly go dawn and they go, "Oh wait, hang on, I think we've got it wrong here. Patrick, she's not in Patrick Stewart." Um, she's somewhere no, else, no, and it's all gone wrong it somewhere else. And it's no, gone all no blah, what it blah. is is they were deliberately um, meant to chase her down, and, and the psychic link with Steve Rouseback was to get him to concentrate on her. Because what actually happened was the two vampire blokes that they thought they'd killed yeah. actually they they changed bodies with the guards, and uh, then they'd been free to run amok in London, uh, right. getting all this getting all this stuff, stuff ready and infecting yeah. people. So that's what was really going on there. So yeah, I took right. it that that was the thing that, that was... She was the distraction, so they could do that. But that, I think, was still her in uh, escaping the body of Patrick Stewart I by don't. turning into a big blood cloud of blood. <laughs> <laughs> but that bit, that was one of many bits in the film that was a particular highlight of mm. where I just was watching it really unengaged, not understanding what was going on, and that bit in particular with the blood bag body thing... It was just, just bizarre and didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> and also, at some point in all this story, we did, yeah, we discover that Carlson was lying about setting the fire on the ship because actually he just let her out for a snog. Yeah, because he was mm. the sexual feminine stuff. Because the feminine yeah. power has yeah, overwhelmed yeah. him or something. Yeah. I don't really get it. I don't get it. I don't get why... What happened to all the other space vampires on the ship that were all desiccated? I don't get why those three were still alive. I get they explain why they were human looking. They basically took the images out of the people's minds as they were nearing in the space shuttle. Um, but I still don't understand why they survived and, and what happened to everybody, all the other space vampires on that 150 mile long ship. Doesn't really mm. explain it. Anyway, basically what's been happening is the other space vampires, the two lads, have been doing the proper work of spreading the virus. And now there's a big, in London, there's a big Epidemic. tunnel of, of life force energy heading up to the, the ship, which is now in orbit around the Earth. Yeah. And so we're left with Peter Firth's um, colonel and Rubberface Rouseback. I've got to go into London and sort it all out. Meanwhile, Frank Finley's character has discovered that you can kill vampires by stabbing them, the with, yeah. but not in the heart, below the heart, in the centre of energy or something. Yeah. Two, in, two inches or something below the heart, where the centre of energy is, or something. And you don't stab them with wood, you stab them with iron. Leaded. Leaded, leaded iron. Leaded iron. And I said, how, 
again, that just comes out of left field from nowhere. Does it make it's any like sense? He gets, gets that big dagger thing sent, sent to him. Yeah, but it doesn't come with any instructions or anything. No, and who just, sends yeah. it? No, it's and fun. why? Um, yeah. yeah, and what? Yeah, I, I just thought at that point that you know it's one of his little kinks. Everybody seems to have some sort of fetish in this film, and it's like. I just thought that was one of his. He like collecting medieval weapons. He is a uh, what a death deathologist. Ologist. Yeah. So presumably he orders on eBay. Yeah. Iron stuff. daggers of death. Yeah. Leaded iron. Uh, leaded yeah. iron. So um, basically, Steve rouse back. I don't know. They're quarantined. He nicks a van. He wants so to go quarantine for five minutes. His girlfriend. Actually, we're not infected. That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Peter Firth goes, actually, we know more about this shit than you do. Let us out. Okay. And they do. <laughs> they let them out of quarantine. Simple okay. as that, really. Don't mess with the Firth. Yeah. So the Firth chases after him. And then there is quite, I think, quite a cool scene in the film where Peter Firth is heading into London that's overrun by zombies and life force flying about everywhere and there's some fun scenes of buses blowing up yeah. and the underground full of zombies and little tiny houses exploding and houses and buildings exploding meanwhile Steve Rubberface rouse back Nud looks like he's lost the world to live yeah. at this yeah. stage oh, yeah. he's gone to the church for a great big shag in the in the life force energy stream uh, Peter Firth boom stabs the last boy vampire Boom, on the church steps. Uh, and that just leaves her. Yeah, one so, vampire left. Yeah, two down, one... So, oh, yeah, he, oh was... he transforms into the back thing, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, he turns, from the like, spaceship. That's right. And he's yeah. like a big... A big battle thing with legs that don't move. Yeah. Like something out of the Golden Child. Just, like exactly yeah. like something out of the Golden Child. And then he gets that knife... <laughs> and, then he, and, then he, and then he goes in the church, and but it's too late, or is it? Steve rouse back. Is all rubber face. Steve has already got his got his game on. Yeah, he's, with he's nuts deep. Nudie space vampire <laughs> girl. He's nuts deep. That's, <laughs> Scotty so nicely puts it. Uh, Peter Firth oh, runs along, jump, jumping over zombie bodies and things, uh, and he gets to the. They're in the crypt. There's a convenient uh, laser beam shaped yeah. hole where all the life energy is coming out of. He chucks the, he goes, come on, Steve. Yeah, come on. The, you know, I mean, I know Wake you... Wake up! Yeah, I'll right. get, I'll get it. I've seen he that, says, I'll get he it. He says, yeah, I mean, she's very pretty yeah. and all that, but human race and all that. Yeah. Don't be a total cock. Throws the dagger in. Steve rouses back rather stupidly, to my mind, mm. stabs both of himself and her with it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, she's trying to insinuate her. She's trying to insinuate. You know, she says something about you're part of me. Or he's insinuating yeah. that he's also a vampire now as well. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's just a girl's thing. Yeah, I think now he's now she's thinking, well, you're just going to change now. Yeah, because yeah. I want you to be like more like <laughs> the man I want you to be. Yeah. So, <laughs> whatever you've been interested in before, yeah. Colonel, like your space travel and all that stuff. Well, I'm sorry, yeah. that's I'm, I'm I'm obviously quite you know what you want. This is sort of I've I've, I've taken the form that you desire, and now I want you to look a bit more like a bat. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You're into your hula hoops, fax machines, but now it's time to change and become a vampire. <laughs> That's what she's saying, basically. Um, but he doesn't do that. But it's all he sort of does. He stabs her and he stabs himself. But really, it's sort of job done, isn't it? Because they've they've already got like a lot of life force yeah. anyway. Yeah. So 
Um, pretty much most of London. I think they've got all the life force they need. Yeah. So they go, they they ascend into the big ship. So I think it's cock shaped for a, <laughs> for a vampire. Maybe it's a space vampire. Maybe, maybe it's a bat cock. A bat yeah. cock. So <laughs> they go yeah. back to the bat cock ship, <laughs> which now has enough. Life juice to go juice and to read and there's loads of little baby vampires do you yeah. see that scene in, mm. the, in glass cases yeah. like they're they're going to start again and the ship goes back to Halley's Comet <laughs> job done Halley's Comet goes back to Halley's Comet yeah what and there they are what was all that about I don't know off they go yeah away, away they are and so what yeah. did we think then of well, all that I've, yeah I don't know no looks like he didn't enjoy minute number one of I it. I didn't enjoy any of this. I, um, I've got to say, this film and so it came out, was it 80, 84, 85. 85? Now, I would have been 14-ish roughly then. At that point, I was reading a magazine uh, called Starburst. I got it pretty regularly back then. And I remember when this came out, it was featured quite heavily. I remember it being uh, uh, reviewed in a lot of different places. And near enough... Every review said it was terrible, uh, but they all went on about Matilda May. And now I see why. Um, she's definitely the best thing in it. Um, but I don't actually think it's that bad a film. And especially from a Clag standpoint, I actually really enjoyed this. And especially the first half. Until it got, as I said, a little bit rapey um, towards the middle of the film. I was really enjoying it just as a film. Mm. Um, and I like, I agree with Scott. Yeah, I like it a lot, but I think it is so um, crazy and outlandish and such a weird hybrid of loads of different things. First of all, what's odd about it is it's set. I think particularly what's odd about it for UK audiences that it's set in the UK and features some TV stalwart UK actors. And the fact that they're in the, this film with this silly vampire story just feels odd to me. Like an odd combination of watching shows, shows like Spooks with Peter Firth and, the, the, you know, you're not used to seeing these guys in crazy films like this. So that, that feels odd. The tone of the film is all over the place. So it doesn't really know what it wants to be at all. It's a bit sci-fi. It's a bit horror. It's a bit of a detective story. There's lots of really slow, boring scenes in which characters talk in laboratories and hospital rooms and things. And then there's this bonkers last 20 minutes where all hell <coughs> breaks loose and there's zombie rioting on the streets of London. Just all over the place. Yeah. Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> Is yeah. it all over the place? Is it a coherent movie? Uh, no. Do, does no. It, do you think it is the most um, I, incredible I feminine presence? It's, overwhelming. It's overwhelming with yeah. boringness. Oh. And that's my main problem with it because um, some of the effects are quite cool. The um, the whole sort of zombie body bits where they come back to life and it's all puppetry and, that, mm. and that's quite cool for its time and all mm. that stuff. I can't stand films where it's, there's all this sort of um, slight cerebral stuff going on about telekinetic connection and all that shit. And, he's, and you've basically got to rely on an actor's ability to act where they're going, I can sense that he, she's in that body and all that shit. I can't stand films like that. 
The reason why I don't like this film is because it just didn't hold my attention. No matter how hard I tried to watch this. I tried to watch this about four or five days ago. And I was like, right, I've tried to watch this before, about a year ago, and couldn't get past minute ten. So I'm going to try and watch this film now, really concentrate and try and work out what it's about. And I got about five minutes into it the second time round, and I, I just, I, I was just basically staring at the screen, but nothing was going in. I find it just wasn't well, engage at all. I hate these sorts of films, basically, yeah. where they're just, they, they just, they break down under their own weight of what they're trying to do, and they don't make sense. And that's and it, interesting because I think that's a fair criticism. Mm. I think the film is ridiculously po-faced, in, in, in it, and, and full of cod philosophy. So the, the space vampire girl says stuff like, the web of destiny carries your blood back to the genesis of my life form. Mm. What? Yeah. What does that mean? You did what now? Yeah. So that's all ridiculously, and like you say, the weight of the film, like it wants to say something profound. Yeah. But I don't know what it is. And everyone's being very serious. Yeah. You know, even the acting that in the film that is bad is done with a huge amount of sincerity. Yeah. So it's so it's a ridiculous B-movie plot labouring under the uh, misapprehension that it's a profound story about the human condition. And it really <laughs> is not. First of all, boobs. Second of all, yeah. second of all vampires. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I tried, literally, I just, I, I can't, this film is not accessible to me, so I, yeah. it just, I, I could tell, boring. I could tell. Yeah, literally, I, 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 can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't, just, yeah, um, there's nothing interesting to this for no, me and at it's all. Cast by, it's cast by lunatics. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, they're just, what an assembly of, weird assembly of character actors and crazy people to put in this film. It's strange, it's like they've taken, like you say, they've taken a lot of British character actors from, I think it mainly from stage. I think a lot of these right. guys are in stage, yeah. but it's amazing how many Bond alumnus they've, they've taken and put in this film. There's quite a few um, uh, faces from from the Bond films in here as well. But um, not not only that, but the end credits. When the end credits start, I don't know whether any of you guys noticed this, but you've got the cast list, and then the next thing up, the next credit up is mime artists. Mime artists come up before the stunt artists. Now, where were the mime artists? What was what was their job? Well, they were getting Steve Rouse back yeah. to, <laughs> to move his rubber face <laughs> because he is incapable of moving his face without <laughs> intense preparation. Well, and mimes are good at moving their faces around, yeah. so maybe that's got something to do with it. Nud probably was, and and myself were probably asleep by the time the end credits <laughs> rolled around. I say, I've got to say, um, I, as as I said, I. The, I'm surprised this has separated you so much because yeah. you vehemently hated it. Yeah, I Scott, you really seem to quite like it. I really, really enjoy it. it. Yeah, yeah. And I say it's like, um, as I say, I probably would never have watched this film if it hadn't been for Cloud Bag, because um, the reviews would just have put me off. I, I never did watch it all the way growing up. This has been out now for God knows how long, for when, nearly well thirty years now. Mm. Thirty years this film's been out, and I haven't watched it, and. I probably never would have if it hadn't been for this, and I really, really enjoyed it. Mm. I don't think it's a great film. I'm not saying it's a great film, but it's enjoyable. I, don't, I just don't find it enjoyable. Mm. I think it's just confused, dull, and pretentious. Mm. So, you know, uh, like, <laughs> probably, probably like, if you imagine it was a graph, like when I try and watch it at the beginning, it's like 
attention and it and my attention <laughs> it, and it just goes down so and it's, what, it, what it, my, my attention, attention over time. <laughs> it, 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 it accelerates to the point where by the time you get to the end of the film I'm just not watching it I'm in another room doing something else whilst the film just finishes <laughs> and plays on its own I just oh no yeah. no I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't put this in the clag bag either because I, I, I don't think I'd enjoy watching it even with a mate because again <laughs> I might last a bit longer watching it with somebody else, but by the end of the film, I would. I, might, I think I, would not I disagree. Be... I think there's plenty. There's enough stuff in this that spectacularly fails, which is always a, a prerequisite for the. I think the middle act yeah. for me just ruins it. Like it plods along at such a slow pace. It does. It's like all these different genres have been mashed up really badly. Yeah. Um, and but but there are some stunningly wacky set pieces in it as well. Yeah. Um, you know the whole end sequence at the church. Yeah. Uh, the bit where they've got Patrick Stewart, sweaty Tra- Patrick Stewart, strapped to the gurney, and they're shaking <laughs> him. They're shaking him, and then they're kissing him. All rohypnoled up. All yeah, rohypnoled yeah. up. Um, the, the, the the scene when they go to interrogate the girl in the park, uh, the girl from the thing, and yeah, that, that that's the bit that got me. I thought they're like, slapping her around. Yeah, and she, she's really a racist. And Peter Firth goes, "Oh, I like I like to yeah, watch." Yeah, I mean, I have a couple uh, of Would you like to leave the room? And oh no. Yes. Oh no, I'm just going to get some popcorn. Yeah. And right. let, me go. <laughs> let me just get my camera out. Yeah. Um, um, and then the effects, which are great, uh, ho- hokey, bad uh, effects. For the most part, I think the effects are really, really cool. A lot better than I was expecting them to be. Um, the puppet effects are fantastic, except for the vampire at the end, the bat thing at the end. Mm. That was that was a bit shoddy. But the rest of it's great. And then again, the, there's a lot of... Um, one of the things I always said, you know, Toby, uh, Toby Hooper was the director of this film, uh, the director of Poltergeist, and I've always said I'd eat my hat if he actually directed Poltergeist. <laughs> because because I, I don't see anything in Poltergeist, anything at all, that, that matches up to anything he did previously or since. But this is actually... But now you've seen this. Now I've seen this. Which has loads of um, yeah. VFX lighting yeah. effects yeah, and, and, it's been and shot, puppetry. And it's shot well. It looks great. Uh, so we're watching the Blu-ray version. It looks pretty cool. Um... And now I'm actually thinking, oh, maybe he did. Maybe he did direct Poltergeist after all. Because mm. I, I would have argued toss over that all, all year. So would you? What you? So Nuddy's voting for it not going in the clan. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying it goes in twice. Well, okay. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> that, that the DVD means... version and the Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Scott, he's putting the international cut. He's voting for the international yeah. and the theatrical versions. Uh, I'm with Scotty on this I, one. I don't know, um, I think the theatrical version hasn't got as much naked Nick Matilda May in it. So I think the flag bag is becoming quite a non-discerning place. That's only because no, 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 you, you don't agree with this choice. I'm going to say that to you. Next time your shitty film goes in, yeah. I'm going to say, what's happened to the clag bag? We're closing it forever. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, oh. I, think, um, I think Life Force is, is batshit. Bug nuts. Bug nuts. Batshit. <laughs> Bonkers! I'm a, I'm, it, it astounds me that it ever got made, um, and it's uh, and it's and it's a delight. It's a delight that something this fucking mental ever yeah. got. I'm ever able to watch something that's that is this colossally bad, but but um, but good at the same time. The mm. definition I think of the clag bag is definitely going in nud nud. Nud nud. Okay. You've been, you've been outvotified. Well. I protest. He resigns. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was Life Force. Check it out if you haven't already. Yeah, check it out check if you it haven't out, already. Because it's, um, it's amazing or really crap. 
depending on which one you <laughs> listen to. And there's, um, there's a really good, uh, and I don't usually mention this, but there's a really good Blu-ray from uh, Arrow in the UK. Mm. Um, uh, but I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's available, the same edition is available in the US. Uh, that has a theatrical and the international cuts mm-hmm. and loads of extras. Um, and it's a really nice presentation of a really mad bonkers 80s film. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what are we doing next time? Well, it'll be my choice next time, won't it? So, next time we'll be doing... Okay. I'm <laughs> well, sorry, Scott. Yeah. But we're going to be doing... The film that everyone wanted to see back in the 90s. Two of the best actors ever, probably. Oh, I think I know what you're going to say. <laughs> John Travolta versus Nicolas Cage. Face off. In face In face off. off. Fast <laughs> slash off. Yeah. Why don't you fuck off? Slash, <laughs> slash off. I could watch this film for hours. It's two hours. <laughs> Just like the rest of us. I can watch this film for two minutes. Literally. Uh, yeah, we'll, do, we'll do that one next. And, We're going to um, do this from different cities because I'm going to want to strangle the pair of you. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. I'll phone um, my review. Scotty's got a deep hate for this film, I found out. I don't know why. Mm. Um, it's because it's As soon as shit. you found it out, you knew we'd have to put it yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I found <laughs> out he like hated that. it, I was like, right, I'm going to have to do it now. I think I only own Face Off on Laserdisc. It's on, the net, it's on the Netflix. Oh, is it on the yeah. Netflix? I'm yeah, so watch um, the Netflix yeah. then. So I invite everyone to watch along. <laughs> so watch, yeah, check it, yeah. check Face Slash Off. If you haven't seen Face Off, if you haven't well, watched everyone's, everyone's watched Face Off because it's been on TV a thousand times. And um, we'll go over that and it's, it's ludicrous plot and everything. I've, I've already decided I'm not going to put it in. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm already decided. I'm not going to put it in. Okay. Well, we'll see you next time. Uh, John, do you want to do a sign off since this uh, is your film? Yeah, uh, uh, thanks for listening and catch you <laughs> next time. Cheers, Jake. Bye bye. I hate you all. <laughs>